0: This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level.
1: Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I am one of your two hosts, Jack Pelzer. I'm doing the intro solo today. And it's going to be a little bit of a shorter intro because they are filling in the concrete on the street outside my home. And boy, is it a... uh, What's a good word for that? A a uh, Just a mess. Very loud, so I can barely hear myself. Although I have a nice mic, so you guys probably can't. So I probably sound like a raving lunatic. But, uh, you know, that's part of the fun. Uh, This wasn't happening when we interviewed our guest this week, Latoya Smith, from the Profit Room. It was a great interview. Uh, Dan and I really enjoyed talking to LaToya. Uh, Always love to hear people's journeys from being interested in stock trading to uh, moving on to some different products. And uh, yeah, just a lovely guest. But before I uh, kick it over to our interview, uh, I encourage you all to go check out the new Top Step website, which as of today, we completely rebranded. We spent a lot of time uh, making the website better. We have entered the year 2020, just in time for 2021. So there's that, I suppose. So anyway, I can barely hear myself. So please enjoy today's Limit Up interview with LaToya Smith from The Profit Room. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, today, we got a great interview. We are joined by the co-founder of The Profit Room, LaToya Smith. LaToya, how you
0: doing today?
2: Hey, how's it going? I'm great, Jack. How are you today? How are you, Dan?
0: I'm doing wonderful. The sun is shining. I cannot complain. Yeah, it's kind of
1: a uh, juxtapose against all the stuff that's happening otherwise, but it is a nice (laughs) day in the Midwest where we are. Uh, Are you uh, headquartered over in Boston?
2: Yeah, I'm located in Boston, Mass. It's pretty cloudy over here, but not cold, so I cannot complain about that.
0: We flipped real quick. We were like mid-70s, uh, and then all of a sudden a storm came through, and now we're in the 30s. Like, mid Midwest winter is upon us.
1: Yeah. Now I got to go out there and get, I still have my jack-o'-lanterns out, and I can see that the top of one of them already <laughs> rotted through. So uh, that's going to be a mess. So that's what <laughs> I have to look forward to, LaToya.
0: I thought we were supposed to leave those out through Thanksgiving. Mine are still sitting out there.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, you have a yard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm super excited to talk today because um, we do a lot uh, at Top Step with the idea of you know, mentorship and, and coaching, and that's kind of what The Profit Room is about. But because people might not know uh, who you are or some of your background, I was thinking we could start off by talking, Latoya, how you kind of got into uh, the finance trading sort of world.
2: Okay. Well, the trading is kind of a long story, a different story. But when I got into finance, I just know I wanted to make money. And at the time, with my limited knowledge and experience, just like everyone that's going, you know, that's in high school, we're always thinking of a path to some sort of success. So I always thought finance would have been a good choice for me. So I went into finance.
1: Nice. Were you in some sort of club in high school or...
2: No, no, not a club. I went to a vocational high school in Boston, um, called Madison Park. They probably changed the name, but that's what it was called, <laughs> Madison Park Tech. It's been a while ago, but um, yeah, vocational, and my vocation was music. Out of all things, can you believe that? That's they quite had, the
0: transition there.
2: Yeah, they had different. They had like nursing, carpentry, but. I'm like, I don't want to do any of those things, so yeah. I'm just going to do music to kill time. But uh, when I got serious, in in a sense, because I was always a math person, numbers person, I'm like, you know what? If I go to college, I'll do finance, and that's exactly what I did. I focused on um, a bachelor's degree in science. My concentration was finance.
1: Yeah, music's all about pattern recognition too. I, I came up a big music math guy. It definitely makes sense with the trading and finance. Um, so when you're studying finance, did you initially think you're going to go the route of you know a corporate finance gig or something like that? Or uh, yeah,
2: yeah, that's exactly the route I went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, when I left college in 2005. I started to work for a company at the time it was called Investors Bank and Trust. They no longer exist because State Street bought them out, I believe the year was like 2007. So the companies merged. Um, I did a lot of back-end work when it came to mutual funds, but that's not really what piqued my interest in the stock market, believe it or not. Because when you're working jobs like those, even though it's corporate, you have no idea about, like, the stock market. You're dealing with a lot of mutual funds, um, the back-end expenses, like corporate actions, all the stuff that goes into how mutual funds actually function and work properly at the end of the day. That was my responsibility. I was a fund accountant. So I was in charge of calculating those NAVs, net asset yeah. value. All <laughs> about the math.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talk to a lot of people who kind of get exposure um, through operations or some different part of finance. And it is, you know, people kind of are drawn to wanting to eventually do, you know, trade or sort of make the decisions versus sort of do the nuts and bolts that make a business run.
2: Yes. Yes. So so how how uh, actually trading fell into my lap since I was the only one of my friends that went to college in state. I stayed in state. Everyone went out of state. When they all came back, a good friend of mine approached me and said, let's form an investment club. I said, "Ah, that sounds like a smart thing to do since we all have degrees. So (laughs) that's how the investment club formed. There was five of us at the time. And we just pooled our money together and started doing research on individual stocks like Apple, Walmart, Kraft at the time was in existence before it split. And that's how I got my feet wet, realizing that the market fluctuated up and down because I was in charge of looking at the portfolios or making not the decision. We all came to the decision, but actually buying the shares of the company we all voted on each month. So I got hooked to portfolio watching and that's when the light bulb went on. Like, hold on, I can make money in the short run. So (laughs) I I decided to open my own brokerage account at that point and dabble with real money. Why? Because I didn't know better. But (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was so easy just looking at our portfolios. That's how I really got started.
0: I think it's so interesting. I think a lot of people... We've done a lot of interviews and that tends to be like there is that aha moment all of a sudden it's like well this makes sense wait a second i can i can go ahead and do make money when it's going down i can i have so many more options here and it definitely is such an interesting path that people take
2: yes yes yes
1: yeah so at this point you're probably doing more uh well, with the stock club, were you guys doing sort of fundamental analysis? And exactly. Kind of we, were,
2: we were doing fundamental analysis because we're researching. We're seeing what's good companies. We're looking at their income statements and balance sheet, all the nuances that go into it. And we were also long term because that's what we were initially taught just through research. Hey, you buy, you hold the stocks for a year or longer. And that's exactly what we did. So this club started like late 2000 and I'd like to say six into 07. Um, I didn't stick around that long, unfortunately, because in 2008, I got a new job, started working for a company called Deutsche Bank. And due to their compliance, I could not participate in my own investment club anymore. So.
1: That well they kind of that kind got out at the right time, to be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: that, was, that was unfortunate. But even prior to getting a job at Deutsche, like with State Street, we didn't have that type of compliance because of the department I was working for. So I could have had my own account and I didn't have to worry about anything. So during the State Street path, um, Google is amazing, I must say. I ran into a group of traders and I started trading with them on, it was, at the time it was called like the green screen. Every day I would log on and that's how I even got more involved with short-term trading. Just seeing how the stocks move and interaction with actual traders. That, that was extremely fun.
0: Very cool. For clarity's sake, when you talk about short-term trading, what are you considering short-term?
2: Buying and selling within the same day. Okay. We're, we're in and out that, that very day.
1: Definitely That's, day trading.
0: It, yeah. Def- it's definitely a lot of people. There's so many different opinions on what short term is. You know, some people say, Oh, if I'm in a p- position for a month, I'm pretty short term there. And then others <laughs> are like, Oh no, short term for me is a couple of minutes. So it definitely helps getting a little clarity.
1: Well, Latoya brought something up there that I think bears repeating. Cause I don't think we've mentioned it on the show before, but, uh, she mentioned the compliance when she worked for Deutsche Bank, which, uh, I have a long story about this with a company I worked for that we won't go into here, but uh, just for all the traders out there, you do have to be careful about what companies you work for and be aware of the compliance with, uh, there's regulations around those things. So always keep that in the back of your mind. That's just a little uh, public service announcement.
2: Very, very true. I, w- I went into that not known. I had no idea. You know, you, you're thinking you're transitioning jobs, you just getting get paid more. Instead of me being on the opposite side of things now it was actually, I wasn't the client side no more. That's what State Street is considered, the client side. I was actually the one making the decisions now providing work to State Street. Like you understand that concept. So I didn't realize like there was going to be a whole new rules and regulations or compliance that I had to follow.
0: It's funny you bring that up because I almost took a job before uh, when I left the prop firm to go to be a market analyst for a, a company. And there were the compliance rules that I could not because they were such a big firm of analysts that you could not actually um, have your own accounts. And I was like, well, that's not happening. I've had this account since I was 17. I'm not getting this thing out. <laughs> <Yeah. up." laughs>
1: Dan, we'll go into this story next week when you interview me, but just a little teaser. My mom lost her gig, a uh, work gig, when uh, the trading company I work at got acquired by a bigger trader company because she was a uh, FINRA arbit- arbitrator, a lawyer.
2: Ah. Uh. And-
1: <laughs> I had been a trader for five years and all of a sudden she just got something that said you can't do this anymore.
2: <laughs> That's crazy, crazy. Yeah, but crazy. Uh, so
1: beware, you know, pay attention to the compliance rules. So sorry for that sidetrack there, Latoya. So you're yeah. at Deutsche yeah, Bank yeah. so sh- Day trading. At,
2: at, so I'm I'm gonna go into this one quick story. So the guys that I was trading with in that green room, the one of the founders, unfortunately, he passed. Um, But this one particular guy reached out to me and was basically um, was like, hey, I'm about to to start a platform. You want to come and join? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll log on and join. But once I got over to Deutsche, I couldn't. Right. Because of the compliance. I was like, there's no way I can sit and join them. So that just didn't pan through. So while at Deutsche, um it's it's so funny. So once I understood the compliance, probably about two to three months in, I didn't do any trading because I had to get acclimated acclimated to the new job. And I'm there for let's say like a year. And I got an email out of the blue from New York. And I'm like, what's somebody from New York emailing <laughs> me? Why are they emailing me for? So before I go into that, I just want to give you a gist of the compliance. You cannot basically day trade, number one. If you buy a stock, you have to hold it for 30 days. There's no short, you can't short sell, which is interesting because you can always buy inverse ETFs. So I can never understood why you can't short (laughs) sell, right?
0: If there's a will, there's a way.
2: Yeah. Then, Then they also had blackout periods. And more importantly, you couldn't have your own brokerage account. You had to go with one of their recommended And you had to pass these tiers. Meaning if you're going to buy something, you had to get approval. Although it was fast, you still had to do tier one, tier two, final approval before you can buy it. And I'm like, this is crazy. They don't want to make, you know, they don't want you to make money. That's all I thought. They was trying to prevent their employees from actually making money in the stock market. Um, So, yeah, that call from New York, basically after year end, I had a phone call with one of the VPs. Basically, hey, are you Latoya Smith? Yes. Do you have an account with XYZ? Yes. Okay. Do you know our compliance rules? Yes. And I was like, I haven't traded in that account since I took the job. So I had to provide statements and proof. (laughs) Oh, man. Not only that, I had to shut the account down afterwards. So once they realized, okay, she's right. She didn't trade. She didn't take action. So. That was the crazy part. So it just hit me like, wow, they're really serious about this, number one. And it real it made me realize that I could not stay with them too much longer because I, I really had passion with trading.
1: Yeah. And let that be a lesson to everyone, too. Uh, I find it interesting how narrow they were with the compliance there. Because every once in a while, I feel like every five years, there's a story where some I banking analyst somewhere does something and makes this happened a few years ago. Made like sixty thousand dollars in their own account and got arrested for insider trading. It's like, of course you're, of course you're going to get caught doing that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, inevitable.
1: It's inevitable. But uh, cool. So now you're uh, heading out to do some trading.
2: Yeah. So with with that said, I I don't really want to promote this or anything like that. But like you said, when there's a will, there's a way. Um, basically, I just had a, a LLC established, but not in my name in order to trade in in a, another account. So that was my way around it. If I'm staying there, I still want to maintain my happiness in trading. So that was my work around um, outside of the the compliance.
1: Very cool. So um, at this point, uh, are you still just doing primarily stocks or have you gone into some
2: other stuff? So at, at this point um, in time, no, I was still doing strictly stocks. And that's another thing where when you don't really know, you really don't know. Because if I had the knowledge I know now, I always tell new traders and, or investors in general, just I'll keep it to the traders, look into the futures market. Look into the futures market. The reason why I said this, because my whole goal was, I wanted to trade it. I wanted to day trade, but you have to have the capital in order to day trade the $25,000 that's required by the SEC. So my whole thing with the job during the time, and and also in 2008, I also bought an investment property. So I did tie up a lot of capital with those actions, but I always thought like, I need to get this money up so I can have a great cushion in order to day trade. So my great cushion was like $50,000 in capital in mind that I needed to have in liquid cash. But as a beginner, I would always say, look into futures because you don't need that capital. You can have $1,000, $2,000 and make just as much money day trading futures rather than trying to come up with such amount of capital just to day trade stocks.
0: Such a great point too. And one the thing to even add on to that as a caveat, if you start small like that, when you have 50 grand in your account, it's very easy to put on another trade when it goes against Ooh. you and kind of keep leveraging in and keep adding on to it. If you only have a couple grand in that account, it's a lot of money. I totally get that. But on the flip side, it's also, there is that control of, okay, at some point I have to get out of these positions or else I'm going to have no money left or I'm going to start to get phone calls. And if you have that 50 grand in there, it's a little bit easier to start letting things slip.
2: I agree. I completely agree. And that that's exactly what happened to me through my experience when I finally decided to to leave Deutsche. So I stayed with them five years, five years for a good reason until I got fully invested with my long-term, my 401k. That was plan because they had an awesome match. So I made sure I matched <laughs> that up and I was qualified to get the full match. Um, so I left within the five-year time um, time frame. And when I transitioned into full-time day trading, one thing you have to remember as well, during the trading process at work, it's not like you're really getting a feel of looking at the markets all day because you have other responsibilities um, to your job. So I didn't really get that full, we call it seat time until I left. So now that I'm home sitting and watching every day is a different ball game now.
0: So you went from the corporate gig to working for yourself.
2: Uh, Exactly. Exactly. That's (laughs) the dream, right? That is the dream. (laughs) That that was a transition. Like I had a, I had a plan. I had a goal. I I wanted to save that, uh, that amount of capital. And, and thankfully me buying that investment property did put me in a great financial situation um, in order to do that. Like some people will just do it, which I applaud them, but I'm not one of those people. I always think ahead. Well, if this happened, what do I have to fall back on in terms of, do I have a safety net in terms of capital? Am I debt-free or am I trading because I have to pay these bills? So I made sure when I left, everything was situated. I didn't have to worry about what bill I had to pay or X, Y, Z. Completely debt-free, Not a lot of people think like that, and I'm not saying you should, but that's what worked for me, and I was able to trade without having that on my mind.
1: I think that's a great strategy to take, LaToya. I think that, you know, in this country, we do maybe to too much of a degree sort of uh, praising people who kind of just take huge risks with it all on the line to start something new, but the problem is that it affects your mindset and everything else. I mean, like Dan was talking about if you know if you're in debt, you got credit card bills, you got car bills, you got everything else piling up, and you're trying to get out it by trading trading you got to wait for the right opportunity. you can't be forcing trades, so it's always going to be pressuring you to make bad decisions bad
2: decisions and I completely agree with that and one point Dan hit home on was when you have a lot of capital, which is the 50 grand in your account, you tend to leverage more. And I found myself doing that, leveraging more. And that's when I realized, number one, I have way too much money in an account because I can't even hold myself accountable. That um, experience of me finally at home doing this for a living certain things happen for example i will never forget it was solar it was um the jks was one and solar city um they're no longer listed i was short in the fall going into the winter with those solar stocks and they kept running and i just kept leveraging right i finally decided to take the loss right i finally decided to take the loss And what I realized from that experience, I had too much money in my account because if it was otherwise, I would have never been in that situation where I'm just adding, you know. So that helped me to definitely transition into a smaller account during that time and then also helped me to manage risk much, much, much better than prior.
0: I worked with a guy who had a great mentality when it came to this concept because he knew his tipping point when it went from like having enough to having too much in that account. And so he had a number that every single time the account went over it, whether it was $100, $10,000, whatever the number was, he would transfer that into another bank account. And it was a 48-hour transition from the time he wanted to take it from that bank account and put it back into the trading account. So he had 48 hours to sit on this decision and it forced him every time to go, what am I doing? Stop, forget about this, trade how you're supposed to trade, you know what, so how much money you're allowed to have in this account. Once you eclipse too much, all of a sudden that decision making starts to change because now you're looking at those dollars and cents and that's where it starts to throw people off way uh-huh. too often. And we all get that mindset of, well, it's going against me right now. It's going to turn. It's going, you know, (laughs) you know, you hear it all the time with people that were trading natural gas. Okay. We're trading, you know, winter months, natural gas should go higher. Like this concept, but Hey, that's not how it's going to work. You got to trade for today so you can take advantage of it a couple months down the road.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. The money stuff is all about a mindset of what you have. And you see a ton of people, unfortunately, you know, some of the Robin hood, option crowd and some you know mistakes people that would you know you might freak out and say i'm not going to pay let's say a hundred bucks for a pair of pants and you'll uh you'll just agonize over that decision like is that too much to pay for pants I, for forever and then you'll go drop three thousand dollars on tesla options <laughs> not even think about it uh it's all about mindset so you do have to it's good to develop those sorts of rules, and i think it's I think that was a wise decision you made.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And and it definitely helps. All, All my experiences in my past where I fiddle or made a lot of mistakes only helped me to create even better traders. And that's what's important to this day.
1: So, is this about the time where you're starting to uh, get into what the profit room would become? Cause no,
2: I- it, it took it okay. took um a few years. So two, so 2012 is when I made the full. A little bit before that, when I made the full transition into day trading and getting up all my um my hiccups is what I call it. And then there was a point in time where I, I met this great trader, awesome trader. This trader was trading the futures market. Whereas I was still trading just the stock market, trying to really solidify my, my strategy. One product he always traded was ES. And I would used to trade the, the equivalent, which is one of the ETS, either XIV or the UVXY. So depending on how he will trade the futures, I will just trade the equivalent the same way. So that provided me like a great way to learn in a sense because I was taught a lot. You know, I was taught more about the technicals in which I had no idea once I transitioned. I knew how to make money in the market, but not technically, if that made sense. It was like a whole new ball game. Like, oh, there's, there's more to this than just buying and selling, you know. There's actually levels when it comes to the stock market and understanding the actual market structure. So this just went on for like a good year um, throughout my learning process with this particular individual. Um, and then around 2000, so I would say about two years later, um, social media is great, by the way. I met my partner on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I met him on Instagram. Um, his name is Ernest. Ernest traded lives. Like he'll have these video recordings, quick shots of him getting in a trade, telling it where it's going to go and then selling into that. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, that was just beautiful to me because I never actually seen someone do that. I would see the p polls from a lot of people, but no one actually giving you a live snapshot of how things are going to happen within that time. So I reached out to him and we just connected from there. And I realized his strategy was similar to mine's when it came to gap trading, because that's exactly what he was doing. He was trading the gaps. And I asked him, how did he learn? He was actually mentored. He was mentored from a a young woman who worked at a hedge fund company. So he had great professional training, whereas although I had worked with an individual trader that was great. I I would not know if I would consider it professional, you know. So our styles mesh very well together. And probably in 2014, yeah, so we we traded together two years before we decided to form the Profit Room. And the only reason why we really formed the business is because our constant posts on social media. Then we had people inboxing us. We know you guys trade together. Do you teach? Do you do this? And it's like, no, we just trade. Right. We just trade. We just post these videos. We'll post our wins and losses. And they like that. So eventually he just said, hey, let's let's form something and give the people what they want. So we decided to form a a legitimate company where we took about a year to create the content because we really wanted to make sure that all of our learning styles and our mistakes Everything we've learned throughout our process, because I've been trading what 2000, since 2007, was really within the course, meaning to help people avoid mistakes, if that makes sense. So we have like a structured approach on how we teach people how to trade the markets.
0: I think it's so important too to you touch on structure there. Having that structure in everything that you do when it comes to this industry is so key. If you don't have that structure you kind of start to flounder. And then it just becomes like you were talking earlier, just buying and selling. There's no more technical approach to it. You don't have that system if you have that structure that's so vital to help kind of create some sort of success in this industry.
2: I agree, I agree. And I'll give you an insight into um, some of the structure. For example, like once we go through like the technical aspect of trading, of course, understanding your candles, understanding the motions of the market, market structure, support, resistance, supply, demand zone, et cetera, we take the clients through a simulation, simulated process, meaning now they have to implement everything they've learned throughout the training materials. And one thing that we love to do is when they start simulating, we say, especially if it's day trading, we do not want to see no more than three trades per day.
0: I love that. So
2: That keeps them disciplined in line. And we also make sure what is your trading goal per day? If you hit it in one trade, you shouldn't be taking another trade. Forget the three trades you made your goal in one day. Walk away and prepare for tomorrow. So all these concepts and the things that we train people or have them um, think in advance is we're grooming them for success immediately rather than the mistakes I've made in the past. Because all these are based on what went wrong for me. More than three trades you're losing for the day, you know that right you're you're not making money you're- well you're
1: not doing your best trades and exactly. you on, yeah, we have you know some experience here, obviously with people trading uh on a simulator or in live accounts and Dan, I think you'd agree the uh, biggest mistake we see people
0: do uh when they lose money is they're making twenty trades in a day absolutely it's. There's never that many opportunities. The market doesn't present 20 or 30 opportunities in a day. If you see three, four, you know, sometimes I'll see a five opportunities in a day, but that is like such a defined little range that the market's not, you're not getting huge profits. You're just fading some extremes and you're picking up three, four, maybe five trades to kind of tw- towards the tail end of the day. It's not often that you've got much more than that in any given day, in my opinion. Yeah. And
1: uh, I love what you talked about, Latoya, as far as uh, trading gaps. It kind of hit because Dan, we just talked about that the other day on Coach's Playbook.
0: Absolutely, we have a lot of gap traders here within uh, our traders at Top Step.
2: <laughs> nice, nice. I, I, I love gaps. I love gaps because that's the first thing I fell in love with. That's actually the equities market in general is the first market I've learned um before I transition into trading futures and Forex. So if someone asks me what markets I love to trade, absolutely it will always be gaps first, then it will be futures, then it will be Forex. Um, with with gaps, it's just something about the way equity stocks move. And not only that, each company is different and each company kind of have their story. So a lot of people are attracted to like Tesla. And Tesla is something I I will trade rarely. But when I do trade it, I make sure I, I trade it properly, if that makes sense. So certain companies, I'm like, oh, oh we're, we're shorting this stock today or we're buying this stock today. I get excited. And that's one of the reasons why I love to trade gaps.
0: That's great. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the profit rooms. What are you guys doing over there and how do uh, traders benefit from it?
2: The most beneficial aspect about the Profit Room is that we offer courses with mentorship. What I mean by that is you're not going to get just access to videos where we find that a lot of programs are centered around and just providing video content and really no interaction with the instructor. Um, so we have the mentorship aspect as in we will get on a Zoom webinar and we'll go through the markets. We'll teach more of the lessons that you learned in video and being able to answer your questions right then and there so you can um, understand it better. Because we find that everyone has a different level of understanding. What I may say here, someone might interpret it completely differently versus someone else. So the mentorship part provides a a level of interaction where it's hands-on catered to you the individual and their specific needs. Someone might be great at technicals, but horrible at, let's say, risk management. I can now focus more on the risk management aspect with you versus somebody else that may need help with technicals. And that's what we're known for when it comes to our uh, mentorship programs.
0: I love the personalization. I think mentorship is so key in this industry. If you don't have that mentor, you're going to spend so much time kind of getting lost. Um, there's so many things can happen. You can go into YouTube and spend days upon days upon weeks and months and years trying to watch all sorts of content and trying to compile it together. And if you don't have that mentor, it's going to be really difficult to navigate those mucky waters there. And So having that someone there to guide you, point you in the direction, kind of clarify things, even just hold that accountability at the end of the day. Um, it's so key. I love hearing that. That's what you guys focus on.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very important. I always say to people, everything we do is literally based on our experience and how we would have wanted to be taught as beginners, and that's very important. So that structure, and you mentioned YouTube, YouTube University, is, <laughs> <laughs>
0: YouTube <laughs>
2: University. I have so many people that have followed me years. And they finally were like, okay, Toya, I'm going to take a program, no problem. But it's like, why did you wait all those years? Oh, well, you know, I figured I'll learn this on YouTube and that. But what I find with YouTube, there's so much content. How do you pin it together in your mind if you're completely a beginner? You don't really, like, there's no structure. There's no structure to it. And that's what mentorship in itself provides. It provides you structure and to formulate your thought process so you can have all the right steps in order to arrive at a successful trade with the proper risk. YouTube doesn't provide that.
0: Absolutely. Once you have that mentor, you can then bounce these ideas off, get confirmation of what is good, what is bad. Um, what well, I guess good and bad is probably not the right term, but what will be beneficial and what wouldn't be. And that's what that mentorship definitely is able to provide.
1: Yeah. So with your uh, mentees going forward, uh, we're coming towards the end of 2020 right now, which has been, shall we say, a, a year. Uh, interesting,
2: interesting year. <laughs> yes. So
1: um, what, how, how are you uh, telling your mentees to sort of approach the end of the year? What are you looking for?
2: Generally, as always, we always say read or not read, but trade what you see, not what you think. That's a very great way to dissect the market. We're reading candles. We're reading the emotions of the market. We spot a reversal. We're not going to think it's going to go up because of X, Y, Z. If the reversal is showing us is going to go down, we're going to trade what we see. And as always, utilize your, your proper risk management. That's very important. Um, so that's, that's the advice we give to our clients to everyone, or even those who are listening on this podcast in general, trade what you see, not what you think. As traders, we must do that.
0: Absolutely. It's all about being profitable. It's not about being right. You know, you got to make the money and trade what that market's telling you it's going to do and not what you want it to do.
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much for stopping by here. Uh, Where LaToya, where can uh, people find you besides um, TheProfitRoom.com, I believe is the web address, correct?
2: Yes, our website is TheProfitRoom.com. We are also on Instagram, TheProfitRoom, Twitter, TheProfitRoom, LinkedIn, TheProfitRoom, and YouTube. Very important, YouTube, because we're going to start doing much more content, kind of in a different way. Not your typical, you know, trading videos, but... The Profit Room on YouTube as well. Those are my social media um, platforms. And of course, we have a Facebook business page called The Profit Room.
1: Well, that's great. Everybody go check out The Profit Room. And uh, Latoya Smith, thank you so much for stopping by. It was lovely talking to you. Yes, thank you, Thank
2: you, thank you Dan. It was, it was a pleasure. Great conversation.
1: All right. And uh, we'll be back after that sound effect you guys all love. Thank you all for making it to the end of the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I get to say that now. We are no longer Top Step Trader or Top Step FX. We are just Top Step. So uh, I'm going to have to get used to saying that. Uh, Thanks again to Latoya for joining us. Uh, It was just a pleasure talking to her. I know it was a few weeks back, but uh, still a great conversation. So hope all of you guys are uh, finishing the year strong. This is the time of year where some people are closing down their books, taking some time with the family virtually or hopefully not in person unless you've been with them for a while. Um, But hopefully this is all almost behind us and 2021 will be better. So in the meantime, as always, namaste and trade well. The Limit Up podcast is produced by Dante32.